I've been reluctant to really talk about it because there's so much criticism and negativity sometimes with people in understanding the role of the prophet. And, you know, I kind of fought against it for a long time in my life because of insecurity. And then I read Brother Hagin's book, and then I definitely realized I didn't want to do that. <laughs> Great book, little thin book, The Prophet. But he, he ministers a lot of things in there that are necessary. And I'm going to share some of those important things with you this week. And, of course, my spiritual father, Dr. Dufresne, he's the main person that I learned about from about the ministry of the prophet. So, you know, and here's a little little just to start us off. The prophet's main ministry is not prophesying. (laughs) And especially not personal prophecy. That can happen. And I do minister to people by the word of the Lord. A lot of times wherever I'm at, if the Lord gives me something to say to them, I'll say it. And a lot of times that encourages them and they begin to step into a different flow, just like when Dad Dufresne did that to me. And Pastor Nancy, I was just with her last week and she ministered to me by a prophecy a couple of times. But I want to talk to you about this ministry of the prophet. You know, we need all the ministries. Yes. Yes. Okay. You know, and let me say something when I start. Nobody's better than anybody else. We're just different. I'm not a pastor. I'm different. I'm not an evangelist. <laughs> I'm not even a teacher anymore. I can step into some of those offices that God has relegated to me, but the main office I stand in is one of the prophets. So I'm focused on that and becoming more focused and becoming, trying to become more skillful in that office and the healing endowment that I have on my life. So I want us to start by talking about this one issue here. It's in Romans 11, verse 13, if you have your Bibles. I speak to you as Gentiles, I speak to you Gentiles inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify mine office. So I'd like to say it this way. You know, you could put in that word, it says apostle, you could put uh, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And I would add the ministry of helps. And I think every office should be magnified. What, you know, I'm not saying I'm going to magnify myself, but I'm doing my best to magnify my office. And if I don't teach you about it, you may not know about it. Yeah. Pastor Dennis, he could teach probably on this as good or better than I can, but he's not a prophet. I, I don't think he is anyway at this point in my life. He might become that. You know, I don't know. Are you listening to me? I may say some things you hadn't heard said before, but don't shut me down just because you hadn't heard it. Doesn't mean that necessarily that I'm wrong. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not magnifying myself talking about the prophet. I'm trying to elevate that ministry gift to you because it says right here, I magnify my office. Let me tell you something else. If you don't magnify your office, nobody else will either. It's not an arrogant thing. It's not a prideful thing. If it becomes that, you're done. Your your faith is shipwrecked because faith works out of a clean conscience. And if you're just full of yourself and ego and your head and what you think you're two bags of chips, you know, you won't get very far. And some of us will see right through that immediately. But I'm just talking. So I would just add this little thought here as I'm starting, you know, as part of the characteristics of a prophet, sometimes he's a little confrontational. I'm not trying to throw down on you, but just saying, just saying, no, I'm not magnifying myself, magnifying my office. And the word magnify, this is what it means to hold in greater esteem and respect. Uh, 
to hold in greater esteem and respect. So when you learn to honor all of the offices that God has given us, and tonight I'm talking about the ministry of the prophet. No, I don't want you to worship me. That would be, that'd be d- demonic. But I'm trying to talk to you about an office that Jesus put in the body of Christ. Amen. All right. So it says here to hold in greater esteem and respect and to increase in, in, in significance and intensity. This is all in that word magnify. I magnify my office. Part of that means I don't shrink back from it anymore. I was just such an insecure person. I know none of you are like that. And all of you got it the first time God talked to you about something. Well, I didn't. Now, it's interesting. I'm still in this verse here for just a minute. I'm starting here on purpose. It says, I magnify my office. I looked that up, that word office in the Greek. It means ministry, aid, or relief. So whatever offices you don't magnify, you don't respect, you don't show esteem to them. Especially your pastors, and they're the ones that you're more familiar with than me. You know, I come in here and preach for a while, and then I go back home. Then I go to another state and preach there, and another country and preach there. So, you know, I'm just kind of gummy bear supplement. I'm not going to marry you and bury you and counsel you and all that stuff I used to do. That's done for my life. I mean, I might do that in some rare cases, but that's rare for me anymore. And uh, probably most people I would counsel in the local church, they'd be gone the next day. (laughs) Because I just believe in talking straight to people. Anyway, not trying to get anybody. But listen to this. If it means ministry, aid, or relief, then you're doing without that ministry, whatever ministry it is that you have no respect for, or you're looking for some dirt on, (laughs) or you feel neglected because... Dr. Hannibal didn't recognize you for something. See, all this fits into this comment to magnify my office. But we've got, we that are in offices, we need to learn to magnify our own office. And we need to know what's in that office. I'm going to share a little bit this week, not to all tonight, but how God got me into this office and some of the things that are in my office or mantle that you could receive of. It's ministry, aid, or relief. And see, if we cut people off that because they're not like somebody else, maybe they're a little different. I know I'm different. I'm even different than I was 10 years ago, if you knew me 10 years ago. Mike Rabel's been with me 40 years, practically. He knows he saw a lot of changes in my life. (laughs) Yeah, hallelujah. But you're doing without the aid that would come out of that ministry gift to touch you and bring relief to you. Amen. You can get healed under my ministry a little more than some because I have a healing endowment. Amen. I have some gifts of healings, but I have a healing endowment, which is another thing entirely. And it's something that's tangible in my hands. Amen. Amen. And I'm just talking to you here. I'm trying to help you understand. And because some other preacher maybe doesn't have that same tangibility in his hands, that doesn't make him any less than me. If he fulfills what God's put in him, then he's magnifying his office. I'm not in competition with anybody. And I'm not trying to fit into a mold other than a biblical mold of a prophet. And even when you look at the prophets in the Bible, they're different. They vary. Elisha had a stronger anointing than... His spiritual father, Elijah, had. He had twice as many miracles. 
even if he had to get one after he was dead. Yeah. <laughs> you know, his body was thrown in a sepulcher or a hole in the ground, I'm calling it. And they threw a dead man in on top of it because the enemy was coming and they wanted to get going. And the dead guy jumped up and ran with them. <laughs> Come on. See, just talking to you here. All right. So let's, let's go a little further. So we don't want to miss the aid or the relief that you can be healed or you can be delivered. I have a strong deliverance ministry. In, and Dennis has a deliverance ministry in his anointing too. And some of the others. Hallelujah. I want to read you a prophecy. This is all my prophecies. Except for the brand new ones I haven't got on this sheet yet. There's not any room for them, I don't think. But I wanted to read a prophecy because I travel with Dr. Dufresne quite a bit in the foreign field. And travel quite a bit by myself too. But I was with him in Kuwait. And Dr. Hadabaugh was with me on that trip. Pastor Debbie was there and Johnny. And I don't remember everybody that was there, but uh, it says, and we were preaching under a tent, Dr. Dufresne and I, and he asked me to take the first half of the first night service and talk about faith, which is what I did. And then, uh, anyway, he, I got to the end, of, and then I ministered to some people by word of knowledge. I'm going to talk about that gift in a minute. And then he came up and hit me in the head, and down I went on this Persian rug. You know, you go to expensive stores and pay three or four or five, 10,000 for a person. They had the whole floor of that tent laid out with those Persian rugs. Is that right? And it's in a desert. There's sand underneath there. So I'm laying on a Persian rug on top of sand in the, in the, uh, the, the uh, sands of Kuwait. It was $8,000 to go on that trip with doctor. For me, 8,000 for Dr. Adabaugh. Man, I'm just so glad I went. One time I went to Siberia, it cost 18000 because we hired a private jet. But Anyway, he hit me in the head and down I went. When I kind of looked up, I'm laying flat, and he's standing at my feet, and this is what he began to say. As you have walked in the footsteps of the prophet, and he went like this, meaning uh, walked in his footprints. As you walked in the footsteps of the prophet, you began to make your own footsteps as a prophet. I'd like to tell you I made better progress than I have, but looking back, I haven't made near as much as I should have. I hope you, you know, I'm not going to beat myself up over that, but I'm just talking freely. Will you want the truth or not? (laughs) Sometimes you haven't done very good either with what you had. And then he said to me, he said, the healing anointing that has come and gone, you've went in and out of it, he's talking to me, has come to abide. That means when that anointing's there to minister. So this was the first time that he used the word prophet, not the first time he ministered to me about the prophetic realm, but the first time he publicly used the word prophet concerning my life. And then, then later on, he began to talk about me in some of the meetings in California. And he told one, I was watching one of those DVDs recently, Dr. Jacobs or Michael, I don't know what he called me, Pastor Jacobs, come in and out of that prophetic anointing, prophet's anointing. And then I had a real wonderful experience. We were all on a bus. Just the men went that night. It was a men's meeting. I'm still on Kuwait. I don't know if you know where Kuwait's at. It's a long way away from here. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Now, Pastor Dennis and I got on that plane. We had about two hours sleep. We said, uh, we started to talk and we both started nodding and snoring. And three hours later, we woke up and the stewardess said, you boys want your breakfast? We said, we sure do. (laughs) Bring it. 
but it's a long trip back home. But anyway, uh, we had a little bus, a nice little bus, a little bus about seated about 15 or 18 people. And the men were with us that night. And Dr. Dufresne got on first, of course. I don't know what I was, don't remember how many people I was back. It was about, what, 10 or 12 men with us that night. And I looked at the back of the bus and he was sitting on the bench seat back there. And this is the bench. And he went, you come sit by me. So I went back and this is a precious, precious moment. Talk about precious moments. This is a precious moment. And he mentored me for a 30 minute drive from the tent back to the hotel. He just talked to me exclusively about the prophet's ministry in my life. He said, you're going to have to make some changes, Michael. Just so you know, he didn't just flower me. And he said, you're going to be able to teach, but when you teach in that prophet's anointing, it'll be heavier and weightier and it'll go right into people's spirit with the thrust of a prophet. You can still teach, but you can't continue to teach like you used to teach and maintain that prophet's because prophets are word and spirit people for sure. And sometimes a little more spirit than word. I would, I don't know if I'd say that about me, but anyway, I'm just talking. So that was a private mentoring class with Dr. Dufresne in the back of that bus. I'll never forget it. I, I just, it just blesses me. I don't want to get crying because I have to blow my nose. <laughs> but sometimes if you stay with the man of God, and I'd been with him since 93, so that was 11 years later, and I was with him till he went home, which was still a few years out. Let's go to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Are you doing okay? I'm not going to teach a real long time tonight. I'm going to teach some basic things. I hope you're listening and you're getting little nuggets. And tomorrow night we'll come back. Tomorrow I'm going to preach in the morning. Probably won't preach on this. And, uh, but uh, all, all the night sessions that I have, which would be three more plus today, we'll be talking about the prophet. You know, you know, I haven't heard much teaching on the prophet. And in some books I've read about the prophet, I didn't agree with it. Yeah. You know, they have these uh, almost prophecy clubs now. They have somebody come in and teach you and tell you to turn around and prophesy the person behind you. Well, why would you do that? You don't know that person. You don't have any, any uh, you don't know about their fruit in their life, if they're goofball, if they're crazy, if they're egotistical, if they're a flake. You don't got no business talking to anybody if you're that. Isn't that right? See, we're not teaching that, but there are real prophets. Dr. Frank went to church one time and it was 1,200 people. The pastor said, all these people are prophets. They are. I'm talking like doctor said. There are. How do you know that? Well, I laid hands on all of them. He said to the guy, he said, I don't think there's that many prophets in the whole world. So I don't know what you think about that, but that would mean to me that some people, it's not what you call yourself, it's what's in you. You know, you got a can of green beans and you put tomato, tomato a sticker on the outside. Nobody knows what's in there until you open it up. Yeah. Hello. Come on. So it's not what you, your label is. It's what's in you. That's the real you. <laughs> if you only knew some of the struggles I went through to get this far. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, it's been rewarding. Now, here in Second Chronicles chapter 20, you know, I think it was Jehoshaphat was under attack. Several armies were coming against him. And he put the praisers out front to praise God instead of the snipers. And, and verse 20 says, the latter part of it, believe in the Lord your God, so shall you be established. Believe his prophets, 
so shall you prosper. So a lot of times people believe the pastors, but they don't believe the prophets. Now, a real prophet would have something to say. And by the way, I've looked that word up in a lot of translations, prosper, and guess what it means? Prosper. Here's another translation of this verse. Have faith in his prophets and, and all will go well for you. Here's another one. Have faith in his prophets and you will be successful. Okay, now you have to judge everything. I don't care who you are, including me, of course. Whatever you say, whoever says there's something and they talk, you got to judge that by the word. The only problem becomes if you're not mature enough to judge it correctly, be careful how you talk about it. Because, you know, the Bible does say in other scripture, touch not my anointed, do my prophets no harm. Your words are like, you know, arrows. <laughs> I've had people attack me over all kinds of silly stuff. But anyway, what I'm trying to show you is there must be something significant then about the, and this is Old Testament. We're in a better covenant with better promises. <laughs> here's, here's another thing, prosper. This is what it means in the Hebrew, to push forward. To be profitable, to cause to effect things. So if you believe his prophets, it'll affect things in your life that need affected. Or it will move you forward and it'll be profitable for you. Just thought that would be helpful. Let's go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I'm starting to get down into the, as we say, meat and taters maybe of, uh, the ministry of the prophet here, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And um, we'll begin in verse 27 here, just a second. 1 Corinthians 12, 27. And we'll read down to verse 30 probably. 27 says, now you are the body of Christ, or I'd like to say the body of the anointed one and his anointing. Yeah. And members in particular. So that indicates that he's going to list some here. These are ministry gifts and they all have a certain level of anointing in them and on them. Are you listening? Yeah. A certain level of anointing in them and on them. I know Dr. Dr. Dufresne, he was a builder. Kind of Dennis, Pastor Dennis reminds me of him in that capacity. He's always building, always thinking expansion and growing. and That's great. I built some buildings too, but I don't think I have that same thing on me now to do that per se. Now you are the body of the anointed one and members in particular. And God set some in the church. Notice not everybody, but some. First apostles, secondarily prophets. Thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings. Uh, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. So he, now I want to point out something before I read further. That the prophet was the second one mentioned. And it was before teachers. And of course, it was before the pastors in the area of governments. That would be the pastor because he's the ruling person in the local church. You know, I'm, I'm just visiting. I'm his spiritual father, so he trusts me. But if I say something he don't agree with, he can get up and correct you later. Correct what I said. So I respect the pastor and I respect all these men and women of God that I know and love. And, you know, because I esteem them. But he's trying to show us something here. And this is where Brother Hagin got in trouble. He liked that teaching ministry. And he flowed in that teaching ministry really well. And so after a while, he got in God's permissive will. And he fell off a platform and broke his elbow. He didn't break it. He, he I don't know, broke some bone fragments. 
and it was messed up. And the Lord said, this happened because you were in my permissive will. You've been out of my perfect will for two years. So before you say you think you want to be something, just realize there's some other responsibilities, not just the miracles and healings that we hear come through my ministry, but there's other responsibilities. Yeah. No, God didn't hurt his arm. He said, he said he walked in health and had no accidents for 25 years, but he got out of God's perfect will for two years. And I heard Dr. Frank say the very same thing. He got out of God. I don't know how long it was, but he said, I was out of God's will for a while. And he wouldn't tell people certain things that needed to be said. And he didn't rest. See, you could be strongly anointed, but you know, you're still a mortal. In other words, you're living in a physical body and that body can only be pushed so far. You're going to collapse. I don't care how spiritual you are, how much you pray in tongues. Just remember what I'm saying to you. See, that's another, uh, but, and because of that, he ended up had cancer for a season. I think lasted about 30 days, 29 days, if I remember right. But see, obedience is critical. See, and what I was telling about Brother Hagin, let me get, he put the teaching ministry in front of the prophet's ministry and God was flat out irritated about it. And I remember he told a vision he had and God said, I'm calling you to be a prophet. And he said, I don't like that. Brother Hagin said that to Jesus. And Jesus said, he said, fire flew out of his eyes. He said, well, I do. And you know, one time I said something to the Lord I didn't care for. And he said, is he do that or else? I said, yes, sir. I'd be glad to do that for you. (laughs) Now, I know we don't talk about that much in our word of faith churches, but you just need to realize you're going to have to hear from God clearly, and then you're going to have to be obedient. And that obedience is easier said than done. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, it is. So he has an order with things. Not that the prophet is more important. He's just different. And there's not going to be near as many as us as there would be pastors because pastors got to pastor the local churches. How many know what I'm saying here? Okay. In fact, uh, brother, Dr. Dufresne went to heaven and he said, God told him about the shepherds and the other ministry gifts too, but primarily the shepherds. He said, you haven't ever seen a shepherd in the full fullness of the anointing on his life yet or her life raised up in these last days. And that was Eight, 10 years ago, 99 actually, I think when we went to heaven, I had an experience in 99 too. But anyway, I won't tell about that tonight. But anyway, so that's been, uh, well, that's 20 years ago, isn't it? Yeah, 20 years ago. 20 years ago. Sometimes if you feel, hear from God, you think it's going to get done by next Thursday. It may not. Just, you know, really, we got a problem with that. We got, it's got to get done quickly or it's not God. That doesn't mean it's not God. Maybe you're not ready for everything yet, but you have to work at it. Yeah. And it says, you know, I've been in this 40, this is in August, start my 44th year, being 43 years right now. So it's been full-time ministry. Been saved almost 50 come 2021. 50 years have been saved. I don't know where it went. I'm going to be 70 in about two weeks. Yeah. Verse 29, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles? Have all the gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? Now, let me share what 2930 is. The answer to that is no, but some are. I'm answering your question if you're listening to me. Are all apostles? No, but some are. (laughs) 
Because we just read up there that God put in the church the apostles. Are we still in the church? Then there still must be apostles and prophets. As well as evangelists and pastors and teachers. All of that, okay. But I wanted you to see that. It says, no, but some are. And then this, let me just point out another little side thought here. Do all speak with tongues? That is not referring to your prayer language which every believer can receive when they're baptized in the Holy Ghost and speaking in their tongues. That's talking about a ministry of speaking in tongues and interpreting. Which, you know, I saw Buddy Harrison and his wife do that publicly. I saw Dr. Dufresne and Pastor Nancy do that publicly. Hallelujah. And of course I heard about, and I maybe have some, some, uh, Something on recordings by uh, Papa Goodwin and Mama Goodwin. They operated in that quite effectively. Are you listening? Yeah. It's a ministry of tongues. It's not just a tongue that you give out in a church service as a believer. And then somebody could interpret it. This is a more personal directed tongue that you're speaking to somebody. And either yourself or somebody else could interpret. That's right. Sometimes I prophesy. Sometimes I find myself speaking in tongues and interpreting it lately. And just recently I put a prophecy on the internet, first time in my life. Because when I read it and I got home, I came to church on Sunday, I was driving to church, the Lord said, something supernatural is going to happen today in an utterance. I go, okay. So I got there and my wife stood up and spoke in tongues and I, I can interpret, I always can, if it's, a, if it's a tongue that came from God. And her and I operate like that sometimes. We've ministered to Pastor Keith like that before. And maybe a few others, I don't remember right off the top of my head. But anyway, I began to interpret what she said. And then I went on into prophecy as a prophet because I told about things coming on our country. Things that were, and he said, the best is yet to come for the body of Christ. All right. So we, we, we read it when we got it off the you know, disc or whatever. They wrote it out for me. And I read it at home. My wife and I, she said, honey, I think you ought to put that on the internet. Really? Yeah, I think it's more to the whole country, not just our local church. So anyway, we did that. Now let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. Are you getting anything out of this? <laughs> I seem like I'm going slow, but I, I don't know. I'm trying to get this out just a little bit. It's not like a massive teaching tonight. But I think it will help us get set for the rest of the week and for tonight too. In chapter 4 of Ephesians, verse 8, and then we'll go down to verse 11, 12, and 13. Verse 8, Ephesians 4 and 8. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, Jesus, he led captivity captives and gave gifts unto men. So, you know, here's something to think about. Uh, The word men there is the word for people. It's not just a male thing. And by the way, you know, I'm a prophet, but if you were a female and you had the same mantle or similar mantle that, that indicated you were in that prophetic realm, then you would be a prophetess. Okay. God doesn't check your gender before he knows you either. Some wonderful prophetesses in the Bible. Hallelujah. And verse 11 says, he gave some apostles, watch the order, some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. So it takes all of these fivefold ministry gifts to do what I'm going to read you in verse 12 for the maturing of the saints. See, if, if you don't include the prophet as a part of whatever, 
uh, you know, a prophet normally wouldn't pastor a church. I could do that. I'm kind of doing that now a little bit in place of my son for a season. But, you know, I'm really not called to pastor anymore. But I've done that a long time. I know how to function in that. So I'm really a prophet. Are you listening to yes, me? Yes. <laughs> okay. So we want to mature the body. So if you delegate, renegade out the prophet, no, there's no apostles. Who told you that? There's no scripture in the Bible that says that it's passed away. Yeah. Not one. I've already read my Bible through and through. Not one scripture you could validate that that stopped ever. And we're still the church. So everything I'm teaching you is written to the church about the church and how we get mature. Because each of us see things a little different. And we have different anointings in our mantles. You know, the mantle is the thing that clothes you, spiritually speaking. Like I'm wearing a coat, but the mantle comes over me as a prophet and it clothes me to do different things. Okay. And others that aren't prophets wouldn't have that same covering. They were still anointed men and women of God. Of course they are, but maybe they're not a prophet. Okay. Just talking to you here now. So let me read on verse 12 for the maturing of the saints. I'm translating the Greek. So you understand it better for the maturing of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for them to do their part in the ministry for the building up or edifying the building up of the body of the anointed one and his anointing till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the son of God unto a mature man under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. In other words, that's where we're heading up into the fullness of Jesus Christ. All of us as a body, not just this body, but other local churches that believe in the ministry of the prophet apostle, believe the Bible. How can you jerk things out of there and say, that's not for us today. That's not right. So we see in both Corinthians and Ephesians, the prophet's ministry was listed before some of the others, not out of being more important, but I'm trying to show you something here. We need all five of these ministries functioning. We read first Corinthians 12 minutes ago. It didn't say pastors, but it said governments. And that's a person who governs or it rules in the local church. And that's the pastors. Then it talked about gifts of healings and miracles. That's, I have some of that in my mantle, miracles and healing. But primarily the evangelist would have to have one or both of those or he's not or she's not an evangelist. Because we only have, other than Jesus, we only have one other evangelist listed called Philip. <laughs> he had a deliverance ministry like I do, but he also had healings and miracles. Yeah, and he was an evangelist. So you got to go to the Bible to find out, you know, if you qualify for some of these things. Isn't that right? All right. So we're, we're talking about getting the church mature. So let's go back here to Jeremiah chapter one, Jeremiah chapter one. And I want to begin in verse four in just a minute. And I was, uh, of course, you knew, I think most of, you know, I was a drug addict, a drug dealer. Uh, in 1971 and I got saved uh, at a youth meeting at East Dayton Baptist Church. I went to a different church later uh, in Fairborn, Ohio, back in Ohio. That's where that happened. Uh, but, they, but they didn't have any teaching about the prophet whatsoever. And <laughs> so I didn't know anything about it. I prayed for a year and a half and I said, God, you must have the wrong person. I, you know, I, I, I can't do this. 
What do you mean you can't do it? I can't. I'm afraid to get up and talk. I'm afraid to get up and talk to four teenagers, you know, in my seventh grade boys class. I had four teenagers, you know. I was just made me a nervous wreck almost. See, now, when I was a drug dealer, I didn't mind carrying a gun or if you want to get frisky, we can get frisky right now. Bam, bam, you know, and whatever. <laughs> then I got saved and I wanted to walk in love and treat everybody fairly and all that. I didn't shoot anybody. I had a gun, but I didn't shoot anybody. I'm thankful. And I didn't get shot either. I'm thankful. Almost a few times I about got shot, but God intervened. But anyway, I'm just talking to you here. So I'm praying and I'm praying about me being insecure about talking in front of people. And the Lord, and of course I knew the book of Jeremiah was in the Bible. I'd heard that term, Jeremiah, but I'd never read it. 1975. See, sometimes you think I just started last week or last decade or 20 years ago. This has been 43 years. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that right? Yeah. Even beyond that in 75. Yeah. yeah. So the Lord told me to read this. And I went in the bedroom of our little, uh, we had a, a little house that we were, well, we were renting kind of, but we weren't paying rent. They didn't, they let me live there for nothing. It was a farmhouse. But anyway, I went in there and he said, read four through 12. So I started down through here. Then the word of the Lord came unto me saying, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before you came forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nation. I'd never been, just barely been to the other counties <laughs> around where I grew up. So that didn't mean anything to me. Now, looking back, now I'm going to be 70 been traveling for 35 years, been on over 110 mission trips, been in about 23 countries, I think. Somebody told me recently they figured it up. I've done some traveling. Spent about $400,000 to get me there that I had to believe for in addition to my pay, pay and everything else. Then he said, Lord God, behold, here's, this was me. This is what I identified with when I read it. And it'll make sense to you in a minute because I said, Lord, I don't think I can do that. He said, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak for I'm a child. That's me talking to him. But the Lord said unto me, say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee. And whatsoever command thee, thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces. Here, there it was again. And, and for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. And I mean, I read that. And of course, I'm going to read the rest of a minute. And I went in the kitchen. I was crying. I said, honey, God told me to not be afraid of their faces. I could do this. And I stopped saying I'm a child, you know. But I still have a lot of insecurity to get through and all the other things you get. You know, if you're sincere with God, he'll burn all that foolishness out of you. <laughs> you feel like a piece of bacon after a while. <laughs> so you see what I'm saying? But I mean, I'm reading this, but I'm not relating to something about nations. Uh, and, I, and it really helped me to realize that he was telling me before I even was born, he'd sanctified me and ordained me as a prophet. But that didn't register on me because I was thinking prophets. You know, I never know any prophets. I've never met a prophet. Is there anything like a prophet? <laughs> Use Baptist church. Yeah. They, they didn't teach that. They didn't ever have anybody in that was that. They, they said all that's done away with like they did with the gifts. But I found out now you can't do away with now. First Corinthians 12, one now concerning spiritual gifts. Don't be ignorant now. All right. But I didn't know all that back then. So I was really ignorant. 
And says, be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand. And of course, the verse 8 has stood out to me for 40 years as people persecuted me. And he delivered me from all that nonsense. In fact, Paul says, God said, I'm sending you to people that I'm delivering you from. Before I send you, you're already delivered. (laughs) Hey! If you were in full-time ministry, you'd think that's more important than you do. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, behold, I put my words in your mouth. See, I've set thee this day over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out. Now, this is, the, this is part of my calling right here. Yeah. I, and I read it in 75 first time. I've set thee this day over the nations, over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down, to destroy and to throw down and to build and to plant. And about the only thing I knew back then was how to throw down on somebody, but that, that's about it, you know. <laughs> I wasn't even thinking that when I was reading it. It just came to me. I thought that was pretty funny. Hallelujah. That's not what he's talking about. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Jeremiah, what seest thou? And I said, I see the rod of an almond tree. Then the Lord said unto me, Thou hast well seen, for I will hasten my word to perform it, or I watch over my word to perform it. So this was my calling. So I went from 75 to 1990. And if I read it, it was random, the passage in Jeremiah. You know, I'd I'd like to think you're quicker than me, because I'm telling off on me, that you would be smarter than that to not let something get away from you for 15 years. See, I'm just, I'm just a real deal. I'm going to tell you my faults as well as my victories. God told me to write a book on angels. I drug my feet for 23 years. And I said to the Lord at the end of all that, and Dr. Dufresne, you know, he tried to convince me to write it, and I didn't obey him. Three years went by, and I said, Lord, Lord, I don't know how to write a book. And he just said one word, and he was kind of irritated with me. He said, learn. He didn't say, learn, my son, I love you. He just said, Learn. <laughs> And that was the end of that prayer time that day. Learn. And he didn't say no more. Like, God bless you or nothing. (laughs) And I learned. Hallelujah. So I went to 1990. And then I maybe read it off and on, you know, periodically. But I wasn't thinking about it like I would realize that I would become to think about it. And I'm in an intercessory meeting at my home church where I pastored. I prayed with, I had an intercessor group that I led every week for 16 years, so it didn't get squirrely. I didn't delegate it to somebody else. I was there myself. And after training several people for seven or eight years, if I happened to be absent, I'd put one of them in charge. Because people that pray can get weird. And sometimes musicians can get weird. I'm not throwing that at any musician or prayer person, but you can if you don't have anybody overseeing you. More churches have been split over music people and intercessors than anything I know. And some people are just flat evil. Anyway, here, so 1990, I'm having a prayer meeting. We're praying over some things. There's probably 12 or 14 of us at that point, maybe 15 in that back room. And all of a sudden, just all of a sudden, the Lord said, Michael, I want you to read Jeremiah 1, 4 through 12 to these intercessors. And I want you to declare publicly in their presence, this is your divine call. So I said, uh, we got, he hit a victory on whatever we was praying about. And I said, okay, I want to get your Bibles, have a seat a minute. And I read that and I said, Father, I'm receiving that as my call. It was 1990. Then it was three years later, 
1993, when I've told this story before, I was frustrated. I don't know if anybody knows what that means to be frustrated. You know, you're not in sin. I'm not running around on my wife. I'm not stealing money from the church. I'm not an embezzler. I'm doing my best. My church is growing. It's exploding with growth. My wife loves me. I love her. My children love me. I love them. I mean, you'd think I'd had heaven on earth, but I was frustrated. I'd prayed in tongues every day since May of 1978, and this is 93. And so I said to the Lord, Lord, I'm frustrated and I need some help. And I don't know where to go. I don't know if you've ever felt like that or not. I think some of you are honest. You knew that before you came to this church and you figured out this is where you needed to be. (laughs) Okay. And so I didn't know who to turn to other than the Lord. And I said, Lord, I need some help. I don't want to live my life. I call it a holy frustration. I call it holy because I wasn't goofing up and doing weird stuff to cause things to be like that in my life. Everything looked great, but I was just frustrated. Yeah. I moved in the gifts a little bit back then, periodically, you know, sparingly maybe. Let me put it that way. I wasn't paying enough attention. And and three years later, I said to the Lord, Lord, I'm going to pray every day for one hour in tongues in addition to my regular prayer time. Because I don't want to try to do that all one time. It might be two and a half hours or something. So I did my regular praying that I pray every day, you know, for things that I need to pray about. And I'm teaching on prayer today. And then I would wait a few hours or maybe pick another time in the day several hours away where I would just pray in tongues for one hour. I did that for 90 days. And at the end of 90 days, God said, Michael. I said, yes, sir. He said, call Dr. Ed Dufresne. Find out where he's at on the planet and have him come to your church. Now, I knew of his name and I'd met him one time a long time ago, but just really just sparingly. I mean, just shook his hand. I was going deaf in an ear and I was in a meeting with him. He was preaching on healing. He had anointing for ears. I couldn't hear my watch. He prayed for it. I could hear my watch. But I didn't know where he was at on the planet or I'd never really got to know him. I wrote him and told him kind of what I've told you. I'm frustrated. I'm not sure why, but God gave me your name. I'd like you to come as soon as possible. And he came. He came. I was in the fall of 93 when I called him. So I always told him even before he went home to be with the Lord, I said, you're a mighty important person. He says, how's that? I said, you know, you're the only name God gave me when there was 7 billion people on the planet. And I just stayed with him until he went to heaven. But the first meeting I had was in February of 94. But I count it back to 93 because that's when I got his name. And it wouldn't have been a relationship if I hadn't got that name. And he came and he, <laughs> it was funny. Funny now looking. He had his Bible zipped up. He, he did not like me, had it out. No, he just had everything zipped up, nothing laying out. Threw it up on the, po- on the platform here. And he just started ministering. Hey, you get up here. I'm going to pray for you. And he just went three days. That's all he did is just minister. My people thought I went crazy. <laughs> no, they did. Because I was a teacher, 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 teacher. And Dennis was, and Keith, they were with me. And their wives back in the day when I'd use 35 scriptures, preach an hour and a half. And if you got up to use the bathroom, I gave you a dirty look. You know what I mean? Because I know you went to see that movie at the theater and sent three and a half hours and drank a 36 ounce Pepsi. That bladder was as big as your head. You, you weren't about to get up. Thought you're going to miss something. Yeah. 
So dad came that first meeting, the last night of the meeting, he was on the floor anyway. I mean, not like I am. And he said, Michael, stand up. And he gave me a bear hug and he said, let what I have go into this man. All of a sudden something jumped in me. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only way I can explain it. It was an impartation. I'd never had that before. Something jumped in me. And it changed me. And then as I look back, I saw this after a while. It took me a while to catch on. I'm not the quickest, sharpest tool in the toolbox. God put me with a prophet because that was my calling. He knew I needed a prophet to mentor me. And not a squirrely prophet, a solid prophet. (laughs) And one that loved me. Oh, man. That's one thing I can say about dad. He loved me. It's Michael. He just loved me. You know, he helped my ministry, but see that he said that. And then every, it seemed like every time I got around him, he'd be prophesying. I got these prophecies here. Most of them are from him. And you know, for all those 20 years or 19 years or whatever, he ministered to me about that prophetic anointing. Are you listening? He kept speaking into my life about it, speaking into my life. And finally I began to catch on took me a long time. Are you listening? Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then I look back and then I apologize to my church because I stayed two extra years there because I didn't think I could leave it. And my son was young, a little younger than he is now. And uh, <clears throat> anyway, you just have to make some decisions. Anybody listening? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. My church was good to me. It wasn't that I was fed up with them. I was just called to do something different. Then I apologized to him. I said, I haven't had a vision for this church like I should have the last two years. I apologize because I've been doing two things at the same time. And finally, God dealt with me. Are you really listening to me? He'll deal with you too if you've got too much on your plate. He said, Michael, you're not going to live a lot longer if you keep this up. I was traveling full-time, pastoring full-time. And nothing against people, but just you're out in the field. You're doing what you do to prepare for this like I'm doing with you. Then I went back home. I got all the church stuff to deal with. And there's always stuff in the church. Not being negative. It's just if you don't want to do it, then don't pastor. People have needs. People are needy. People are demanding. Not in a rude way. A few of them are, but most of them are sweet, but they need help. In every area. And so I was doing two roles at the same time. For several years, probably almost 12. The Lord said, you're not going to live much longer unless you get this settled. And you know what I want you to do. I said, yeah, I know it. So we did that. We stepped away from that. How many know what I'm saying? All right, just talking to you. Now, let me talk to you in a more practical way just for a second here. And then we're going to minister to some people. We've been preaching it says 831. I think I started about 735 maybe. I didn't watch my clock, but I guess I preached longer than I thought I would. Doesn't seem long, did it? How about another hour? <laughs> I'm, just I'm just teasing you. So Brother Hagen and Dr. Dufresne, they said the same thing. Brother Hagen, some of his material. He said you have to have two revelation gifts plus prophecy to be a prophet. Now that doesn't mean simple gift of prophecy. You know, anybody could have the simple gift of prophecy and every believer should have that. And I would say you ought to use it in your prayer time. If you're not used in a public setting, you could use it in your personal and in, and things like that. How many are listening? See, when your simple gift of prophecy exhort and encourages and so forth, first Corinthians 14, three, but the gift of prophecy and a prophet, there's the word of knowledge is in that. It tells about things to come. 
One time I got up, I was sitting on the platform and went over, pulpit was there. And when I went from the chair to the pulpit, something dropped on me. And I began prophesying, that was in 1995, and it's still unfolding this day at my church back home. That carries a lot of weight after all those years. Anyway, he said, you need two revelation gifts. And I have two, word of knowledge, this primary gift. I'm going to talk about that in just a second. And uh, then also discerning of spirits. Now, sometimes people get confused about that. Let me talk to you. The word of knowledge is the supernatural revelation from God to you about somebody's present condition or a past situation. You would know that by the spirit. Nobody told you natural information. You would know something supernaturally. And I think I told you, maybe I didn't. I don't know. You have to tell me if I told you about the lady that broke into our men's prayer meeting. And she said, I wanted to cuss you out Sunday morning. Because I said, well, I'm having a prayer meeting right now. Yeah, but I wanted to stand up and cuss you out Sunday morning. I said, you definitely need help. Come on in. (laughs) See, I said people are needy and demanding. What what are you laughing at? Come on in. in. And so I prayed for her and the Lord said, it's just a big act. She's not any more delivered than before you laid your hands on her. And I just knew that. You just know things down here. She said, well, I got to go. I said, no, you're not any more delivered. She started down the middle aisle. I said, you're not any more delivered than before I prayed for you. And she says, oh, how do you know that? And I went, and she started running. Two of my men were back by the door. They looped her under her armpits and drug her back up front and set her down. Then I said to her, listen, if you're not going to play with this, if you want to play with me, just leave. But I'm going to be serious with you. I'm going to get to the root of this. You're not any more delivered than when you came in the back door a minute ago. Really? I said, yeah, really? <laughs> Did you say it like that? Yeah. Sometimes you have to have to get firm. And I got on the first step and sat down and started praying in tongues, maybe four or five minutes. I said, the problem is you had an abortion 25 years ago. Nobody knows about it. Your husband doesn't know. Your other children. And that spirit got in you of murder. And that's what you were frustrated about when I was up preaching. She started bawling. She said, how did you know that? I've never told anybody that. I said, God just told me that to get you delivered. Now, is that the issue or not? Yeah, that's it. I said, okay, stand up again and pray for her. And she got delivered. That's word of knowledge, but it came in a vision form. Sometimes discerning is spirits. I see something in somebody and I'll deal with it. But other times I just know something. That's the word of knowledge that discerns things you see into that spirit realm. You don't just see devils, you see angels and things like that too. Am I making sense? And then prophecy. I thought it was kind of interesting here. I got filled with the Holy Ghost in May of 1978. I was pastoring a Baptist church. And the little girl in my church, let's call her Judy. I don't remember her name right now. She had ear problems. She'd had tubes put in her ears four times. She's about 11 years old. Tubes put in her ear four times didn't work. So the tubes are supposed to drain the liquid away from your eardrums. It's a doctor. She knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> and she was losing or starting to lose her hearing. So they took her into this surgical group. And they're going to cut her head open like this and open that up and get in there. And they couldn't even guarantee they could fix her. But the parents are going to take her. I got filled with the Holy Ghost the Saturday before the next Friday when they were taking her in for a surgery. And I prayed in tongues in the morning by myself. 
I got a hold of uh, what's his name? Dennis Bennett's book, The Holy Spirit in You. He's an Episcopalian priest. And I've just graduated from a Baptist seminary. What am I doing reading Episcopalians? <laughs> he was making sense to me. And I needed that. I wanted the power of God in my life. And I got persecuted for it, but boy, I wouldn't give it up for anything. So I'm praying in tongues that day on a Saturday morning. By the afternoon, God speaks to me. I want to heal. What did I call her name? Judy. Judy. I want to heal Judy. I want you to call her parents up and ask them if you could pray for her tomorrow at the Sunday morning service. Lay your hands on her and pray for her. See, that was supernatural. I'd prayed for a few people before, but not like that where God spoke to me. I'm going to heal Judy and I want to use you, Michael. I want you to... Lay. So I called up the parents. They said, sure. I think they thought I was just being sweet. Just a token prayer. Like, God, do something if you can. If you can't, let her go deaf. I don't know what they're thinking. Yeah. People sometimes, they, they're confused. Why would you pray like that if you're not certain? Don't pray about anything unless you're certain it's got scripture for it or you know it's God's will. So I prayed for her Sunday. They took her to the... Surgeon on Friday, mom and dad were out in the waiting room. Nurse got, came out and got her, took her back. The two surgeons saw her, looked in her ears, brought her back, said, this is Judy. We know her. We saw her. Everything's perfect in there. Wow. She don't need anything. And the husband got mad at me, the dad, the, the dad of hers, her daddy, and called me that night and practically cussed me out. He said, I'm not coming back to your stupid church. Of course, I'm not the man I am today back then, but I said, are you the dad or not? Well, you know I am. I said, why would you want your daughter to go through surgery? And they couldn't even guarantee it. This is not a slam on doctors. Most of them are very committed people, men and women. So I'm not criticizing doctors, but why would you want your daughter to go through that when God did it for free and he did it supernaturally and she's totally well? I used to tease and say, if you look into Webster's under insanity, there's a picture of him. So she got healed totally, and that was the beginning kind of my healing ministry. And the word of knowledge has been strong in me ever since. So praise God. I want to pray for some people here. Hallelujah. I wrote some things down today. If you have uh, any kind of digestive problems, I would like you to come.